If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by patrons like you. Support Switchcraft and my other content at patreon.com slash run, jump, stomp. I absolutely love being able to start off a show with feedback from you guys. So big thanks goes out to Dr. Panda for reviewing the show on iTunes. Uh, They say, great, well-organized show. An awesome way to stay informed and up-to-date on the latest Nintendo Switch news. Thank you very much for the review. Uh, If you haven't already done so, uh, reviewing uh, the show gives us a boost in iTunes. So right now we've got a five-star rating. If uh, you guys could help us build that, that would be really great. And just go review the show just like uh, Dr. Panda. If you have something that you want me to talk about on the show, uh, you could... Mention it in your review, or you can email me, uh, runjumpstomp at gmail.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter at runjumpstomp. There's a lot of different ways to do that. Uh, you can even leave uh, or make a phone call and leave a voicemail at 260-RUN-JUMP. That's 260-786-5867. All right, let's talk about the ARMS Global Test Punch survey results. So... If you follow me on Twitter or if you were in any of my streams recently, I talked about a survey that I had sent out to a few different places. And um, it got uh, quite a groundswell of feedback from people. Uh, 4,000 people had responded to the survey. Uh, So I want to talk about what the results were uh, real quick. So number one question was what was your favorite fighter by the way thank you to everyone who pointed out that i spelled Springman uh serping man instead of Springman. thank you very much for letting me know um so my first question was favorite fighter and uh it was pretty evenly split there was two uh standouts that that were ab- above everybody else but pretty much everyone was pretty close together so uh the number one uh, most popular on this survey was Min Min. It kind of jives with what Nintendo had revealed. Nintendo revealed that the two most popular fighters, or the two that were played the most, were Ninjara and Min Min. Uh, so I had 23% of people had said that Min Min was their favorite. Uh, the second favorite that people said was Ribbon Girl. Um, Ninjara uh, he got 18%, so only a couple points difference than uh, Ribbon Girl. Uh, the person who was picked um, the least as far as um, favorite fighter was Helix, with only 7.9% of people said that Helix was their favorite fighter. I think that has a lot to do with how he plays and people just not knowing how to play him. He's not my favorite either, but there were things that I noticed when playing against him that I did not notice when playing him. For instance, the his uh, heavy attack um, bounces. And when I was playing as him, I never noticed that it bounced. So it, it, it always seemed to miss. Uh, whereas I would get hit by others with, with the bounce, um, his shield attack, you could put the shield out and then kind of hide behind it. 
and then hit the button again, and the shield would move toward the opponent. Uh, that's not something that was easily noticeable when I was playing it. Uh, the second question that I asked was least favorite fighter. Uh, and uh, Helix won this one big time. 28% said that Helix was their least favorite. So not only was he very few people's favorite, a lot of people really don't like to play as Helix. And again, probably those same reasons. Um, the Ribbon Girl and Min Min, uh, tiny fractions of people said that they were he was their least favorite. Um, after Helix was Master Mummy, uh, 23% of people said that they really did not like playing as Master Mummy. Um, favorite mode was the next question, and this was really telling. 78% of people who responded said that their favorite mode was 1v1. Um, 2v2 was then the next biggest with 9.8%, and then the rest of it was split up. Uh, just to be clear, um, we had three-player free-for-all, four-player free-for-all, 1v1 volleyball, and 2v2 volleyball. Um, 2v2 volleyball and 1v1 volleyball look like they're just about tied. Yeah, 1v1 was 1.7%, and 2v2 was 2.3%. Um, it surprises me that more people like the 2v2 because that inherently needs more communication than the 1v1. Um, the three-player free-for-all, I was really surprised to see uh, that only 5% said that that was their favorite. Now, I'm not saying that it's my favorite, but I did really like it. Um, so the favorite mode, overwhelmingly 1v1. Now, the least favorite mode, this is a lot more split. Uh, 1v1 is only 1.4% of people responding said that 1v1 was their least favorite. Um, and then everything else is broken out. As far as least favorite, three-player free, three free-for-all was the least favorite mode that had 35.6% of the votes. I found that pretty surprising. I find... Uh, three-player free-for-all to be very, very fun, and it allows you to really do uh, mind games against your opponents. Uh, after that was uh, 1v1 volleyball. I think a lot of people really did not like the volleyball very much. I thought it was fun, but I can see why people would not like it very much. Um, I'm very interested to see what we're going to see next week on the next um, Global Test Punch because uh, apparently, <clears throat> pardon me, we're going they're going to be replacing volleyball with basketball next week so i'm really excited for that that was the one thing that i said when i saw uh the nintendo direct for arms i said that right there basketball that's going to be the standout of this whole thing um so i'm very excited for next week uh next question was control preference i cannot believe how evenly split this this turned out to be um, if we look at the number of people who voted for this, and I actually had to add this question in like, I don't know, like an hour after I started, uh, the survey, because I had forgotten to actually put this question in, uh, and <clears throat> the, the votes are tallied and it's just about a 50, 50 spit, spit, split, um, 1,928 people had selected that they preferred motion controls. 1,773 people said that they liked traditional controls. Now, 
I did get a lot of feedback from people that said you really should include um, in this survey that I like both equally. And I totally understand that I should have done that, but the survey had already gone on for a couple hours and we already had about 500 people had responded. So adding that, that option in afterwards, I feel like that would have been a bad idea. Um, but traditional controls versus motion controls, it's about a 50, 50 split. And I find that really, really interesting. I totally prefer traditional controls. My son, I talked about this last episode. He prefers the motion controls. Uh, but I don't think that one really has an advantage over the other. I think that they're both equal in their ability to win a game. So I think that either way would be totally fine. Now, the last question that I asked in the survey uh, said, will you be getting arms? And 56% of, well, 50, no, 57% of people uh, had said, I was on the fence, but now I'm in, uh, with 23% already having pre-ordered the, the game. So of the people who took this survey, over 75% of them are planning on getting the game. And 50% or over 50% of them made up their mind after playing it. So I think that the game, like, ARMS is a really great game, and I feel like Nintendo did a really good thing by letting people play this game ahead of time because it's showing us how good it is. And I, I think it's the same thing that happened with Splatoon on the Wii U uh, when, they, when we had the first global test fire uh, to try out Splatoon 1. That's when a lot of people made up their minds or they're like, wow, this is Nintendo was onto something here. And I feel like Nintendo is totally onto something with ARMS. I think that they've shown us that Nintendo can conquer just about any genre of game and bring their own unique spin to it. And it's really going to change the way that we play that 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 genre of game. And I love how Nintendo is 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 attacking the fighting game genre. Um, speaking of sales, um, oh, it's actually changed now. This is funny. So when I originally uh, wrote my show notes, I looked at this, and Arms was the number one bestseller in video games uh, for new releases. Now that's changed. Tekken Seven is now the number one bestseller. Arms is number two. But Tekken 7 for the PS4 has a distinct advantage in that there are many, 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 many millions of PS4s out there. Whereas with ARMS, there's probably, uh, it's been about another month since the last time we've had an update. And they said that they had sold about 3 million. So I'm going to guess we're probably at about 4 million consoles in the wild right now. And for only... 4 million consoles to be out, ARMS seems like it's going to have a pretty high attach rate. Um, and so that's number two on Amazon. I'll just look through these real quick. This is pretty telling. Uh, for only being four, uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm estimating here, for only having four, uh, con or 4 million consoles uh, in the wild, 
the number, uh, the the top, I'll go through the top 20 spots real quick. All right, so sales and video games. PS4, Tekken 7. Uh, spot number two is ARMS. Spot number three is Final Fantasy Twelve: The Zodiac Age, also for the PS4. Uh, spot number four is Zelda Breath of the Wild spot, um, for the Switch. Um, then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, also for Switch. Uh, Nintendo Switch Pro Controller is number six. The Nintendo Switch is number seven. Uh, and that looks like it's a bundle, maybe? No, it's not a bundle. I I, I think that the $423, I think that's um, like... Uh, because you can't just go out and buy it. Um, that's re-buying, bu- buying it secondhand, it seems like. <clears throat> uh, number eight is uh, Fire Emblem Echoes for the 3DS. Crash Bandicoot is coming in at number nine. Uh, number 10 is the Retron HD, which that's... <laughs> if Nintendo just kept making their NES classics, you know. Number 11 is Splatoon 2. Uh, number 12 is the Nintendo Switch with the uh, Neon Joy-Cons. Uh, number 13 is Ultra Street Fighter 2, uh, the final challengers for Nintendo Switch. Number 14 is Injustice 2. Number 15 is some more Amiibo. Number 16 is Zelda for the Wii U. Which that's really surprising. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, it looks like uh, 1.5 HD Remix for PS4. Call of Duty for PS4, Prey for PS4, and Ghost Recon for PS4 bring in spots 17, 18, 19, and 20. Notice there, this is very interesting, not one Xbox-related product in the top 20 video game sellers um, right now. And this is updated hourly, so if by the time you listen to this it's different, that's because it changes. Um, But if we look at the top 20... We've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 11 Nintendo products. And 1, 2, uh, 9 PlayStation products. And then 1, the Retron HD. So I think Nintendo is killing it. I think PlayStation is obviously killing it. Uh, but it's a little easier for for PlayStation to hit these high numbers than it is for Nintendo to hit these high numbers just because there's so many more customers that can buy, we'll say, Tekken 7. Um, I'm not going to go out and buy, I mean, this is ridiculous because some people have, but I'm not going to go out and buy ARMS if I don't have a Switch to play it on. <laughs> but then again, you look at Zelda Breath of the Wild, it had an attach rate higher for the Switch, higher than 100%. So there were more copies of Zelda sold than Switches. I don't think that that's probably going to happen with ARMS, but I do foresee ARMS having a very, very high attach rate, as will Mario Kart 8 and Splatoon 2. Um, So what do you guys think of the details that I talked about in the uh, survey? Uh, What was your favorite character what was your least favorite character? Which mode did you like the most? And are you surprised at all that ARMS is now number two uh, for best-selling video games on uh, new releases for uh, Amazon? Let me know. Hey, 
paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show! Alright, speaking of sales, Nintendo is reportedly boosting production of the Switch again. Uh, this comes from The Verge, who actually got it from the Financial Times. Uh, and the report is saying that Nintendo is okay so let's let's actually not get to the report yet let's go back in time a little bit originally nintendo had projected that they were going to be selling 8 million consoles in fiscal year 2017 once the pre-orders went out they adjusted it and they said that okay actually what we're doing is we're going to increase demand because not demand we're going to increase our uh, manufacturing because demand is so high. So we're increasing, we're doubling our manufacturing. So we're going to be shipping 16 million consoles fiscal year 2017. Uh, well, that, that, that came from the wall street journal. Now the financial times is saying actually Nintendo is upping production some more to manufacture at least notice. I said at least 18 million units between now and March 2018. And they're saying fears of customer tantrums during the holiday season. So that's a weird way to phrase it, but it looks like Nintendo is looking at their supply issues and they're saying we really have the, the demand for the Switch is so high. We absolutely need to make sure that we have enough in the market so that people in the uh, during holidays, when they go to buy uh, a system, there's a switch on the shelf for them. Uh, this is a problem that Nintendo has had many times. Um, I, I was very curious, and I was like, well, what did the PS4 do uh, in its first fiscal year? And the PS4 sold roughly 18 million units in its first fiscal year. So this is definitely something that's possible. Now, will Nintendo do this? Well, first off, the original article from Financial Times said that Nintendo actually denied that it had plans to boost production to that level. Uh, they said that they were going to stick to their original hardware shipment of 10 million units, uh, but analysts believe the company is on track to produce upwards of twice that. So when we look at this, it feels like we've got analysts saying one thing, Nintendo saying other things. And what we need to remember, first off, is that analysts don't actually know for sure what they're talking about. This is conjecture based on what they've seen in the past and and that kind of thing. The other thing that we need... So, so maybe Nintendo is telling the truth. The other thing that we need to remember is that Nintendo is a conservative Japanese company and they have a tendency to avoid setting expectations too high. If you look at the Wii U, the Wii U had multiple times where they had set expectations too high and then they had to say, well, we're sorry, we didn't meet expectations or we're changing our expectations and lowering them due to this or that. Uh, and that was very detrimental to Nintendo's bottom line. Their stock price tanked every time they did it. Uh, it was embarrassing to the businessmen who were in charge of it, like Satoru Iwata. He always he, he always kind of hung his head in shame and said, I feel like I failed you guys. So it's not like Nintendo for the it, it, it's how do I want to say this? This is why I should use a script, but I don't. Um, I think that Nintendo is being cautious and they're, they don't want to say we're going to 
put 18 million units out there and then not be able to deliver on that because we know what kind of issues that Nintendo runs into with marketing or uh, not marketing, but manufacturing. We know that they have that issue. So hopefully they've got it figured out and they just don't want to say, look, we're going to do this many. They're managing expectations. I, th- this is my guess. They're they're going to look at it and they're going to say, we're, we're going to make this many. And then when they make way more than that, they can say, oh, look, we did way better than we thought we would. Check it out. And that always makes them look better. Meeting expectations is okay. Exceeding expectations is going to make them look better. The thing that I always think of Star Trek, and I know it's a weird thing to say, but there was an episode of The Next Generation that actually had Scotty from the original series on it. And Scotty was, and I know some people are like, what is he talking about? Scotty was an engineer in the original series. And he was talking to the engineer, Jordy, in The Next Generation. And Jordy, like the Captain Picard had said to Jordy, well, how long is it going to take to do this? And Jordy said, well, it'll take this long. And Scotty goes, what are you doing? Always tell him it's going to take you longer than it is going to take. That way, when you uh, come in under time, they're happy with it. And Nintendo's doing the same thing, I think. They're they're telling everybody, look, we're going to make X. When they make 2X, people are going to be really happy. But if they said we're going to make 2X and they only made X, then people would be mad at them. So, And, and then even if they just said, hey, we're going to make X and then they just make X, nobody's going to be mad. Nobody will be super impressed, but nobody's going to be mad. So I don't think Nintendo is going to go ahead and say, yeah, we're going to up it to 18 million consoles this fiscal year. But I do think that there's a good possibility that we can expect them to manufacture that many. Now, this all comes with one caveat. Just because they manufacture 18 million uh, units in the first year does not mean that they will sell 18 million units in the first year. Nintendo always seems to run into this issue where there's never uh, an, an item that uh, or a Nintendo item on the shelf. Hopefully Nintendo can keep shell uh, shelves, keep switches on the shelf. That way when Joe Schmo walks into a store and they see it, they're like, Oh, that's the thing. I saw somebody playing that at the restaurant the other day and, and yoink, they're going to buy it. Um, if you go into a store and it's nowhere to be seen, Maybe they'll buy a PS4. Maybe they'll buy a PSP. I mean, I don't even think you can buy a PSP anymore. Maybe they'll buy a new 2DS XL. I don't know. Um, by the way, that is something that people have said to me. I was out with my son. We were we went out to to eat, and the the waitress, he and I were playing, um, what the heck were we playing? Puyo Puyo Tetris on on the Switch sitting at the table. And the waitress said, oh, I've seen a, I've seen a few families playing that uh, in here. That is something that is a really good way to help sell your system is that people can see you playing it out in public. Like you're going, you're not going to go to um, uh, Pizza Hut and see somebody playing a PS4 at the table, but you will see somebody sitting there playing a Nintendo Switch and you're going to be like, oh man, that's kind of cool. Maybe I should check that out. And that's like free advertising for Nintendo. Um, and, and speaking of advertising in Nintendo, they really seem to be on point with their advertising. I just saw the commercial for arms for, uh, the switch 
um, on YouTube. And it, it, you know, it doesn't feature kids. It features young adults and they all look like they're having fun. And, uh, at the end it shows them they're, they're all sitting in a garage. Uh, the, the door to the garage is open and they've got the light on in there and they're, they're doing the motion controls stuff and they're having a ball. And I gotta say playing arms, I am absolutely in love with that game. In fact, uh, my, every month I do a drawing for my patrons where I, I, I draw something and I'm, I'm, I can't draw, but, uh, next month is going to be, uh, an arms character that I'm drawing. Uh, so that's how much I am uh, obsessed with arms right now. I, I'm, I'm drawing it and uh, I'm having a ball playing that game and, and, and you should too. Check it out. All right. Two things real quick. Uh, first off, last week, I did not give enough thought to Monster Hunter, the Monster Hunter news that came out, Monster Hunter coming to the Switch. Uh, mostly that was because the arms stuff that I had talked about went really, really long. Uh, so I wasn't really thinking about it too much. I was focused really on arm stuff. And so today I want to talk just a little bit more about Monster Hunter. Um, first off, when Monster Hunter, Hunter, ah, I can't speak. When Monster Hunter for the Switch was announced, Nintendo's uh, stock price saw a pretty big jump. I think it was like 6% in after hours trading. Now, I'm not a stock market guy. I don't know if that's good, but everybody else seemed to say that it was good, so that's great. Um, looking at Monster Hunter coming to the Switch and having cross-play with the 3DS or 2DS XL, that is really important. And it it's, it's starting to help me understand Nintendo's strategy with the 2DS XL. When, when they announced the the new Nintendo to, uh, 2DS XL, I looked at that and I was like, oh man, that's a mistake. I don't think that they should do that. In fact, I talked about it on here with some other people. We, we I, I recorded a podcast like 10 minutes after they announced this thing. Uh, and we talked about the new 2DS XL and I said it was a huge mistake. Now that I see that they've got this cross-play going on with Monster Hunter and on the Switch and the, the 2DS, I think that I'm starting to understand what they're going for. The 2DS is a, it's the entry level. It's the one that you get for your six-year-old. It's the one that you get for um, somebody that you don't trust with a big, expensive um, glass well, it's it's not it's actually not glass. Um, tablet basically, and I see why Nintendo wants to keep a cheaper option in the category. I do think that it should be ninety nine dollars instead of one fifty. Uh, but the two DS being compatible with the Switch that's a big deal, and this is why. Way back when um, Satoru Iwata announced that they were doing the NX, which eventually became the Switch, uh, they announced it early, earlier than they wanted to, and they did so because they thought that people would would take their announcement that they were going to start working with DNA on um, mobile mobile games 
they would take that as Nintendo's getting out of the hardware business. Nintendo wanted to assure investors that, no, we're not getting out of the hardware business. So we're just going to tell you that we are working on a console. It's called the NX. And when he said that, he said, I want you to think of the NX. And I I don't have the quote in front of me, so I'm just going off memory. Uh, But I want you to think of NX as a family of systems where multiple versions can coexist at the same time and we're streamlining our development team so that we can develop assets that are uh, not just assets, but assets and engines and things like that in order to coexist so you can make the game on System X and it will also work on System Y. Now, when he said that, a lot of people were not focusing on that. They were mostly focusing on what is the NX going to be. And now it seems like Nintendo is showing that, and it's not like it hasn't happened before, but they're showing that the NX family of systems includes the 3DS and the Switch. And we should have seen this coming. Uh, Look at Super Smash Brothers. Super Smash Brothers. Super Smash Brothers? Maybe it's just Smash 4. I don't know. Uh, But Smash for the Wii U also came out on the 3DS. And it was really good on both systems. Smash was on both of those systems. That's kind of like this this thing that they've already talked about. Hyrule Warriors did the same exact thing. It came out on the Switch, or uh, not on the Switch, it came out on the Wii U, and then it was ported to the 3DS. And now we've got Monster Hunter coming to the 3DS and the Switch. So it seems like, and it certainly won't be with every game, But it seems like what they're doing is they're saying, look, we can make certain games that are going to work or that have the possibility of working on the 3DS and the Switch. So let's put another 3DS or in this case 2DS out there that can run these games. And you'll note that by getting rid of the 3D and keeping the resolution of the screen the same, they are reducing the... Um, the strain that will be on the system by not having to worry about 3D because when whenever they're running 3D on a on a 3DS, it's actually showing two pictures at the same time, uh, just shifted away from each other a little bit. So bringing getting rid of the 3D, I won't say it effectively doubles the power of the th- of the 2DS, but it definitely makes it a little easier for the 2DS to render graphics. At least, that's how I would assume it would work. So, Monster Hunter coming to the Switch and the 2DS and allowing cross-play and allowing you to take your save data from the 2DS and upgrade it to the Switch, I think that's awesome. And I, I definitely think that it's showing, it's Nintendo is showing part of their hand. And I think it's a good hand to have. So... We we can go right back to when I said that the 2DS XL was a terrible idea. And if they continue to do this where we have the same where where if a game comes out on the on the on the three DS, it can also come out on the Switch, then I can see why they might do that. I, I think it makes sense. It might not be as good a strategy as just having only one system, 
but I can understand where they're going now, and I could not before. Uh, that being said, let's talk about uh, the bundles for Monster Hunter for the Switch. There's two bundles. Uh, one of them uh, comes with a case, uh, a desk, a CD, a CD for crying out loud. Look, I understand that people want music, but who even has a CD player anymore? Feel free to write in and let me know all about your favorite CD player. Um, it, it comes with like little keychains. Uh, and the case for this thing looks like a purse. It really does. Uh, and it comes with a bunch of, uh, it looks like art booklets and stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, and I'm looking at this, I don't see a price on there. And when I click on, uh, the, when I click, click on the Capcom site, first off, it's in Japanese. And secondly, they're sold out. Oh, here's the price. It's, uh, 39,182 yen. So I think that's 40 bucks. That cannot be right. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, um, shoot. This is not the same. This is not the same bundle. This is a different bundle. So the, the second bundle, and I don't even know if this is in yen. It's not in English, so I, it's hard for me to tell. Uh, but this this is the second bundle, is a Switch bundle that comes with the game, and it's got gray Joy-Cons, but the Switch dock has like a bunch of Monster Hunter or Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter uh, symbols like glyphed all over it. Kind of like, um, I don't know if you guys had one, but my Wii U had Nintendo uh, had Zelda stuff all over. It was a, it was black and it had a bunch of Zelda symbols around the outside. And that's what the, um, the special switch hardware looks like for, um, for Monster Hunter, uh, double cross. And it looks like it's just the dock that, that has that decoration, not the back of the switch, but that's cool. I mean, it's not something, I mean, I'm sure that there are some people out there that are like, I can't believe this. Now I got to buy another one. And they probably will because some people have more money than sense. Uh, but whatever it's, it's one more out in the wild, I guess. So that's it for monster hunter. If you have thoughts on monster hunter coming to the switch or this idea of the, 3DS and Switch being compatible with each, with each other, write in and let me know. Well, excuse me, princess. Okay, the last couple stories I'm going to go through really, really quickly. Um, Nintendo Everything has a story where they are talking to uh, one of the developers with uh, for Fire Emblem, uh, Masahiro Higuchi uh, from Intelligent Systems. He's the producer on the Fire Emblem Echoes, Heroes, and Fates. And they were also talking to Hitoshi Yamagami. Uh, he works for Nintendo, not Intelligent Systems. And he's a producer as well on those games, including uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Sessions. Uh, they also spoke to Kenta Nakanishi. I, hopefully I didn't uh, butcher that name. And he was the director for Fire Emblem Echoes. Um, the thing, the, the takeaway here is that they were asking, look, we have seen lots of Fire Emblem games on portable systems. Do you see portable systems as the new home for Fire Emblem games? Uh, Yamagami, uh, he explained the series had a long history of home console games and is not primarily considered to be a handheld franchise. Uh, Nakanishi uh, then jumped in and he said that Fire Emblem Switch will allow for completely different for something completely different while breathing life into our characters like never before. That's very interesting. I, I like what they're saying there. 
Um, at the very end, it looks like uh, Yamagami had said that I think many people were surprised of our collaboration with Atlas for Tokyo Mirage System Sessions Sharp FE. If we revealed our ideas beforehand, there wouldn't be a surprise anymore. This autumn, another game based on a collaboration will come out, Fire Emblem Warriors. I hope you'll all look forward to it. So it looks like they're talking about how they've been taking the Fire Emblem uh, intellectual property and putting it in different places and taking these characters and putting them in different genres. And they're saying that it was a fairly successful thing. A lot of people really liked Tokyo Mirage Sessions. It's not a really game that was it's not a game that was really popular in the in the West, but in the East it was a fairly well received game. And a lot of people have said that it's a good game. So pretty much everything that we've seen so far that includes Fire Emblem outside of Fire Emblem on iOS and Android has been fairly well actually even those have been fairly successful but it's been reported as being fairly uh people have been happy with those games I'm very interested to see if we're going to get a Fire Emblem game that is completely off the walls and completely different from what we know as Fire Emblem today for the Switch and I don't know if I'm happy about that or upset about that I know that I really like Fire Emblem. I don't have Fire Emblem Fates for my 3DS. I'm kind of done with my 3DS, and I just want to focus on the Switch. And I worry that we won't get a Fire Emblem game like the ones that we have had before for the Switch. Because I want that, um, I want that type of experience on the Switch. And I don't want to have to go back to the 3DS for that. All right. Uh, the next story is Phantom Trigger. Uh, it has the same developers from Mr. Shifty. Uh, now, recently, they kind of had some PR issues with um, some bugs that were in the Switch version. Um, originally, now, the the devs had outsourced the patch, I, I guess, to the Switch. And uh, by the way, if you hear thumping, it's my contractor working on something in the house. Um, they had had some bugs, and then one of the developers had said, well, we're if you don't want that, then get the PC version. And everybody was, like, super mad at them. And then the 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 bigger dev team said, no, 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 we're, we're working on that. We're fixing it. Uh, and then apparently they did. They've actually submitted the patch to Nintendo. They said that they even reduced the file size down to 800 megs, and um, we should be expecting to see it soon. Well, they are going to be releasing uh, another game for the Switch, and, and the developer is called Tiny Build Games, and this game looks really good. It's called Phantom Trigger, and it, look, it looks like an action-adventure game. Um, gorgeous, super bright colors that are really really just popping off the screen almost seems like a super actiony uh almost like a diablo style game um and i think that this game looks great now we don't know when this is coming out uh you can get in the alpha right now on pc but when it's out it will come to nintendo switch and steam 
Uh, you can check it out at phantomtrigger.com or you can just go to the show notes and there's a link to the video. Uh, and they said it's coming to the Switch this summer. So sometime this summer we're going to be getting um, Phantom Trigger. Uh, and it looks really good. Another game that we're going to be getting soon is from the developers of I Am Setsuna. Uh, it's called Tokyo RPG Factory, though that's the developers. Um, Square Enix owns Tokyo RPG Factory. And they are have, they made I Am Setsuna, which a lot of people have said is fantastic. I have not played it yet. It is something that I am going to play in the future, but I just haven't gotten there yet. I've got too much to play. Um, the game that they have announced that they are bringing to uh, the Switch is called Lost Sphere. And Sphere is spelled weird. It's spelled like sphere, like a ball but also spelled spelled like fear, like I'm a scared. So I'm a little confused at like there's a I'm sure that there's a reason for that. Uh, Square explains that the adventure of Lost Sphere begins in a remote town where a young boy cannot Kanata, uh, not Jeff Kanata, uh, but Kanata awakens from a devastating dream to find his hometown disappearing. To stop the world from being lost forever, Kanata and his comrades set out to rebuild the world around them with the power of memory by manifesting thoughts into matter. Uh, it looks very much like, um, oh gosh, what's the name? Everybody's going to laugh at me because I can't remember the name. Chrono Trigger. It looks a lot like Chrono Trigger. Not in like the time travel fashion, but in the battle style. At least it looks like that to me. Uh, it's very pretty looking game, not like a gorgeous game, but I like the art style. I like the, the character direction. Um, I like how you've got like clouds kind of covering up the world and you have to navigate through these clouds of emptiness, uh, to locate places that have been taken away and then rebuild them from your memory. It looks really cool. Uh, and I really like the way that the animations look in the game. Square Enix does great RPGs, and I'm I'm happy, you know, on my other podcast, I've spoken uh, in the past how I don't like how RPGs have been moving in this direction where it's more action-y all the time, uh, and I want more turn-based stuff. And Square seems to be doing that on handheld systems. We can look at Bravely Default, Bravely Seconded, uh, I Am Setsuna, and now Lost Sphere. Uh, These are all games that have a turn-based battle system, which I really like, and I'm happy that we're going to be getting these, uh, uh, this turn-based system coming to not only the Switch, but it's also coming to the the PS4 uh, and Steam. So you'll be able to get this in a lot of places. It looks like I don't see it happening on, like I'm looking at the the end of the video. It doesn't show anything about Xbox. Xbox, man, they really killed it with the 360. And Xbox One, they seem to have fallen off the, the end of the earth. All right, the last thing that I'm going to talk about is Super Nintendo World. This is not a sequel to um, Nintendo Land for the Wii U. This is their theme park. And... Nintendo has filed a trademark application for Super Nintendo World theme park in the U.S. Uh, probably, I don't know where this is going to be, probably near Universal Studios, I believe, is where they um, have partnered with. I think they partnered with Universal. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. I hope that it 
it comes and that I get to go see it. Oh, it, okay. It says it's in Hollywood, California and Orlando, Florida. So it'll be in, in both places. And they're already working on the one in Osaka, Japan. Uh, I'm, I think it's cool that they're making this and I'll probably never get a chance to go there, but I, you know, if you live in those areas, look forward to it. Uh, Super Nintendo world. It's, you know, it's like when I was a kid, you know, my friends and I would stand around on, on the park and we'd be like, wouldn't it be cool if Nintendo made like a Disneyland kind of thing? Well, now they are. It's like they finally listened to us. Do the Mario swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go. Do the Mario. Take one step and then again. Let's do the Mario all together now. Well, everybody, that's all the time that we have for today. If there's a story I missed, let me know. You can use the hashtag AskSwitchCraft. You can send a Twitter message to at RunJumpStomp. You can send an email to RunJumpStomp at gmail.com. You can use the phone number 260-RUN-JUMP. That's 260-786-5867. Uh, you can support the show by going to iTunes and leaving um, a review. Uh, we've got another review that I'm going to read next week. I, I, I would, or not next week, but next episode. I'd like to be able to do one a day. Um, if you're looking for other ways to support the show, uh, you can buy Doc socks or zippered pouches that my wife makes on her Etsy. You can join our Patreon, uh, and you can use my Amazon affiliate link. If you want links to all of that stuff, just head on over to runjumpstomp.com/support or just scroll down in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and I will see you all next time. podcast and others like it are part of the run jump stomp gaming network for more information on where you can find content like this go to runjumpstomp.com <laughs>